It is so great to be here on the day before Valentine's Day, and I have a Valentine for all of you who are watching, even though you might not see this until after Valentine's Day. I'm here today with Matt, who's been on a number of times, and with Alan, who's been on a number of times, but Matt and Alan, you guys haven't met each other before. And so um, I'm going to explain what we're going to do, but then before we get started, I'd like each one of you to give a little brief introduction to yourself so that you can kind of get to know each other before we get started. Um, here's what I've been thinking. When, when I was at the Chino conference almost a year ago, I met a lot of young men. In fact, our small group was almost entirely young men who were the main topic they wanted to talk about is how to find uh, young women who were actually interested in marriage because so many of the women that they meet are more interested in pursuing career before they want to think about settling down. And, and so they had a lot of questions about <clears throat> how do they go about meeting young women and what do they need to do in order to be the kind of young men that young women would be interested in. And then since then, I've met some young women who are wanting to actually have a married life and um, and have children. And so they've been wondering what young men are looking for. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to start talking to some young men and some young women and find out because I'm not of your generation. So I can't give them good answers, but you can give them good answers. So um, I've talked with both of you before about a number of things. So I know your character. And I know your quality. And uh, so I thought the two of you would be a good one to kick this off with. So um, if we could maybe start with Matt. Matt, why don't you give a little summary of who you are, where you live, what kind of work you do, um, if you have some goals, and um, maybe how you got interested in. For the people who don't know what this little corner is, we are a, a group of people on the internet who roughly talk about the periphery around Jordan Peterson, John Verveke, Jonathan Pajot, um, Paul Vanderclay. We talk about issues related to <clears throat> philosophy and faith and science and um, basically what it means to live a good life. So does that describe the corner you think? <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh, Matt, why don't you kick us off? <clears throat> Thank you, Karen. And I live in the Midwest, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I was born and raised here, but I traveled and found myself in California for a while. That's how we met. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've returned. I found this corner while in California. And I found this corner while in California while I was... Mm, driving on the last mile outside of my evangelical routines. What I mean is I grew up evangelical, Lutheran, in college, found a different denomination, different group of friends. After that, went into the workforce, no religion or no religious expression. And the years grinded away such that, wow, now I'm bored. So I went to California to see the palm trees but I wanted to find a religious expression again. I found Eastern Orthodoxy for Christianity. And this was while I was listening to Jordan Peterson's lectures in 
Toronto. Then I found Paul Vanderclay, and through Paul Vanderclay, I walked down the aisle of this corner of the internet. So my entrance into orthodoxy and my asking these questions with other people on Discord and in the Meaning Code and on other channels have been parallel. But I would say, for me, the most of the grapes that have clumped together have been in the adoption of orthodoxy to my practice and walk and orientation, to use a Vareki phrase. So I, I am orthodox now. I've been baptized, and I'm a member of the church in my local parish. As far as what I do day to day, I, I work for the government in the driver licensing department, and I am a non-traditional student. I forgot to mention that I was in college for a while, and then I left, and now I'm returning online to finish my undergrad degree. And my goal is to study the law. So there is a law school 30 miles south of where I live, and I want to apply to that next January. And it came to me as I was driving for my work, I am free, what do I wanna do? I'm Orthodox, I found my religion, I found my God, Jesus Christ. I have decades left, I'm still single. What do I wanna do? And the phrase, no one's asking me to, so I will study the law, came to mind. <laughs> and I like to analyze things. I, I, Indeed. I read the dialogues of Plato <laughs> for fun. And Indeed. <laughs> So that, that is where I am in a nutshell, religiously and hobby-wise. Okay, that's perfect. Thank you. Alan, <laughs> how about a little background on yourself? Uh, well, I for fun, I pretend that I read the dialogues of Plato. Literally, I have the uh, free audiobook on Audible app that I'm just staring at me for months at a time. And I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll get to it. I mean, you know, uh, one of these days. But, uh, you know, it's, it's more fun to uh, <laughs> scroll on your phone. But... Uh, yeah, I uh, the way I got into the corner was, and a little bit of personal history is sort of after completing college, sort of asking the big questions, falling down the uh, Peterson, Peugeot, PVK pipeline. Uh, and yeah, and I, I mean, God taking me on a journey of, uh, I grew up sort of uh, lukewarm, suburban, Christian, uh, not really focused upon maybe go to church once a month. And uh, sort of questioning what my, you know, post-college questioning what you want to do with your life, what's the purpose of your life. It really led me to uh, to a lot of those channels like Meaning Code and uh, John, uh, Jordan Peterson, PVK, Jonathan Peugeot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, through my own sort of trials and tribulations in life, really having, you know, not just it, it became not just uh, philosophical meanderings, but also, you know, having to make decisions about what kind of life I was going to live and sort of stepped away from, uh, I was studying fine. I've studied finance in college and was sort of on a finance ish path and, uh, then decided to take a creative job. And then I think the idea of taking your, your life into your own hands and, and making decisions and what you're going to do and, and what God is going to be on the throne of your heart, uh, it really gave me the strength to, decide you know what kind of person i was going to be and uh you know it was funny then uh i remember hearing about the chino conference and i was like yeah like yeah those let those weirdos go meet up at the at the conference and then i was like wait 
I think actually I spend a lot of time listening to them talk. So maybe I am one of those weirdos. Um, and then, so I went to the Chino conference and, uh, yeah. And then along the way, I, uh, I'm part of, a non-denominational, uh, uh, small church in New York city. So, uh, that's sort of my both experience with the, with the corner and then also a little personal journey through my career and, and faith journey. So, and I, I will dig up the original videos that I did with each of you where you're told a longer story about your lives. And I can put that in the description section here. <clears throat> but my goal for today is to talk with you guys about what you think about relationships in today's world. And um, does that make it difficult to find people to talk to or people to um, be in relationship with? And if you could, what 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 would you be looking for in a relationship and any other thing that you might want to talk to around this um, topic? And either one of you can jump in. The first thing I would say is we have an embarrassment of riches of connections. And that comes with its own irony. What I mean is when I was 19, I could walk through the library aisles and I would meet someone, i.e. the author of a book. And I would have this great relationship over time. We'd have these conversations. I would see things through their eyes and I could close the book and put it away. And I felt enriched. Well, you can do that now, logging on to Google, finding a Reddit forum, finding a corner of the internet and meet someone in a discord. And this person has a pair of eyes in a different part of the world or the country, different walk of life. And they might be willing to share that since there is this veneer of anonymity. And you could keep doing that, like going through the books in an aisle at the library. But the difference is it's a human being on the other side. And then you look around and you say, but I still live at this particular address with this particular zip code, and I don't know my neighbor. And this other person who is not a book I understood the contract with the book was there will not be a relationship with a human being on the other side that I can go and travel with. But when you meet someone online, you think there's a chance, but is there? And so this double, double sidedness of every word being potentially charged with yellow brick road or not because it's just the internet, who cares? That is that is frustrating to me mm -hmm. when I, when I think about it emotionally and also anecdotally from my past. Okay. So it sounds like the first topic is we are in an era when a lot of relationships take place online, a lot of potential friendships take place online and how does that affect a person? So do you have something to say about that, Alan? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that actually, uh, dovetails nicely with uh, some of my major points on relationships uh, in that, um, yeah, I mean, seeing, seeing the big picture and seeing actually what these relationships that they serve a purpose and that they, they there's an intention behind them, uh, I think, lets you understand why you wouldn't want to just have friends online why that you, you're an embodied person, you have a body in physical space, that uh, eye contact, 
uh, touch, um, mutual responsibility, mutual dependence are all things that you need in your life. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I think when PVK and Jonathan Peugeot say things like go to church, uh, it's, you know, a fortune cookie little tweet length of advice. But it's actually because they see the big picture and they realize that people sort of look down their nose at like, oh, well, the people at my church, they're not as smart as me. They're not as brilliant. They're not, you know, they don't read deeply and drink deeply of the corner and the wisdom of the corner. And, you know, <laughs> are us geniuses who are able to <laughs> pretend to read the dialogues of Plato, uh, you know, they could never. No, no I, that's me. I, I, I'm the one putting off reading it. But uh, that, you know. Those things, you know, the the life of the mind and these interactions that can be gratifying, I think, so have taken on this like uh, outsized value. And actually going to a church, becoming a member of a church, uh, serving, making coffee, you know, this is a hobby horse of mine, making the coffee, fixing the chairs, cleaning the bathrooms. Like that's actually what humans need because they need places to sit and they need coffee to drink and they need donuts to eat and to have calories to burn. You know, that's all part of it. And when you only see people through the lens of what pithy argument can you make or what meme can you generate that will, will be rummaging around in my mind for the next week, you're sort of reducing someone to just a certain part of themselves, which is not the whole self. And relationships are built around uh your whole set, the needs that both parties have in their full self. So someone you only know online is never going to be as full of a relationship as possible because it's taking out that element. So I think when you see that we do have a need to be in real community with each other and that even the entire TLC, even in, in its fullest understanding, I only think it helps part of who we are that we go, we become members of a church, that we serve, we participate. Um, so that's like the participation in a group, in a body. And then our relationships, like there's something special about someone who has known you for a long time or is really close to you as a next door neighbor. Uh, all these relationships will serve different elements. Um, so I think in the corner, we have the temptation just to strip ourselves down to who can make the pithiest, funniest argument who can be most interesting, who can uh, colonize my mind the most in the next week. And, you know, I'll, I'll be quoting them when it's like, that's only part of who you are. You also need food and you need sleep. And, you know, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, you had a partner who could cook and, you know, like you could live with and you could give them thing, things, you, they could give you things. So uh, I know this is a, a long point, but I think especially when we just say like, oh, the, the, the computers will tell us like we are we are pur pur purposely cutting a, only taking into account certain parts of ourselves that apply to that online realm versus looking at the holistic elements of ourselves that we see. Uh, uh, and, you know, the glorification of just the life of the mind, especially in the corner, I think is a real uh, dangerous, <laughs> dangerous thing of like, you know. You all, you know, you're not just this, uh, you know, argument and podcast consuming and, you know, pithy phrase developing machine. You, there's also these other elements. So, yeah, I think uh, there's a holistic thing going so on. One of, one of the things that they always tell you when you're when you're thinking about, I mean, at least back in my generation <laughs> was 
um, you have to think about all, first of all, what kind of a partner would I be? So how, how can I become the best partner that I could? And I know that you both have thought about those kinds of things. So would you like to talk about what you personally have done to become, to prepare yourselves to be a good husband to somebody? The way I look at it, and this has been brewing the last two years since moving back to South Dakota and keeping a job longer than two years. In the past, I would, I would be at something for two years and then I'd think, hmm, grass is greener. And I, I would move laterally in within the company or I'd move towns. And that was fine. But this job, one, it's government. So I think, well, it's inflation proof, so to speak. And that was at least the argument I gave myself to stay. What I'm trying to say is by staying, I've started to see that there's benefits to remaining in place because then everything changes around you. But because you're in the way, they tend to accrue around you as opposed to just going by at, this, at the rate that you're going by them. And what that meant practically for me, to borrow from Alan's point, is I followed the precept of Peugeot. I went to church and went to church and then continued to go to church on Sunday, such that now the priest gave me something to do. And that something to do made room for me to be in the eyes of other people as a known quantity. And I think we, piggybacking again on what Alan said, there is so much benefit in our future spouse, benefit for our future spouse when we do that now for ourselves. Because by going to church regularly, becoming a known quantity to other known quantities, I am making room for myself, but really I'm making room on the right and the left of where they expect me to be. And that is the place where the other can be. But if all I'm doing is moving, 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 trying to find myself, then, which has a time and place, but there could not be room to the right or left. There's nothing accrued around that could make it homey. And for me, again, that's why I want to finish my degree. And I look at law, but for anyone, it could be anything as, well, I have all this time on my hands. Is there something I could do that would make room for another? And it's an act of faith, but it's not a leap into the absurd. Yeah, that's a... Uh... It's a good point. Uh, and uh, I think it, once again, uh, similar to my own point, maybe from a slightly different angle. Um, but yeah, understanding your own values and your own self uh, is a hard thing to do, but it's what we, we, we have to do because then we can understand. And I think to Matthew's point is once, when we start doing things, we start to, things accumulate and we start to understand ourselves by reference to these things around us is I'm a helper to this person. Oh, this person needs a meal cooked or they need someone to help them up the stairs or they need a com someone to talk to them after church. 
you understand the roles that we inhabit and the ways in which we also take from others and we're independent, interdependent on others. And so from here, when we have these relationships, when we're showing up to the same place and, and to Matthew's point, it's smart to stay in the same place for at least a little bit of time because you can have things accumulate and you can actually start to understand because the variable, at least the variable of location is staying the same. And you can have, you know, talk to the same old lady week and week and week after week, talk to the same guy your age, talk to the same ladies your age, you know, week and you can kind of understand. But that understanding um, just through, well, that's one example of understanding through sort of the day to day, very earthly. I do this every day. And then you can also have the more like heavenly, like through divine scripture, reading of the word, you can sort of understand who you are, but that, that understanding of yourself and your purposes and the holistic understanding, um, that really, I think prevents this, um, singular lens through a lot of which through it's possible to look at relationships through, Oh, this person's really pretty. This person has a lot of money. This person's really, um, good with their words. Uh, Oh, they are the, everyone at the party likes them. Like, these sort of monovariable um, approaches, uh, I think, happen when we aren't in relationship because we forget that we are a multifaceted being, that we don't just need beauty. Oh, I, I need a beautiful girlfriend because, you know, I when I look at her, oh, these emotions are flooding into my body. I can't believe it. It's like, yeah, that's part of you. And, you know, maybe honestly, it's not good that you feel that way. I mean, the scripture says a lot about lust and making a covenant with your eyes. So maybe that feeling that you're having proves that you do need a super model girlfriend, or maybe it proves that there's something else going on that's actually not in balance, but you don't know that because you don't have any other reference points than your own personal experience. Uh, if you're not moored to anything like Matthew was saying, you're only saying like, well, I get these feelings. So uh, understanding yourself through many levels as well. So like, you know, like scripture could be more of like the heavenly top down, uh, the day-to-day -day making coffee at church could be more of the earthly, you know, talking to someone after church that's very day-to-day -day and and individual and and uh small scale but yeah so to get to your actual question i think that understanding of okay what kind of thing am i what does this thing that i am need how does that relate to other people around me um it sounds <laughs> very technical but once you understand that then you can get excited about becoming the thing you need to become to get the thing that you need then you can be excited to like oh wow like i stink at talking to people i need to learn how to have a relationship because i need friends and then you can be work towards those goals oh well i i really want to have a girlfriend but you know i have no money and no skills and you know another person wouldn't be attracted wouldn't fit in wouldn't dovetail with my life nicely they couldn't fit into my life i couldn't fit into their life and so uh when you start to understand those things then you can make progress then you can be excited then you can see you know i mean as a younger man i was so oddly weighted um and i'll let matthew jump in here because i just saw him but i was so oddly weighted to certain features like like intelligence i just was like oh if you're smart like uh, every, you know all these people have problems because they're big dum-dums not like me not like a smart guy and not like uh, the girls i'm gonna date the smarty pants and i'm like and looking back it's such a 
lack of wisdom to look at people who aren't like, oh, well, if you don't want to talk about these things, like clearly like and just and and seeing those things come to fruition and see what the fruits those bear, which were bitter fruits, like you learn that you you need more. You're not just this that your self-understanding is lacking. So I'll hang it up there. But uh, yeah, understanding yourself and how you integrate with another person is like that. Having that will give you the strength to do the individual things that you need to do. Get in shape, learn to talk to people, get a job. Da, 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 da. But that understanding of why you're doing it, why it's important, why it's beautiful to do these things. Um, well, you know, strengthening that, I mean, that, that makes all the difference in the world. To Alan's point about the why, I think that is important because the why, perhaps I'm wrong, but ideally the why before marriage should be the why after marriage. And for a guy, myself, as an example, early on, I was, I am right there with you on that illustration you gave, Alan, of unconsciously, I was looking for a friend. So if I met a lady and she was brilliant in a topic, then I thought, oh, wow, this this is great. She's also a member of the opposite sex. So that must mean Providence <laughs> is going to be my wife. And I would jump to these conclusions. Uh, but day to day, practically speaking, I was making a friend. We had a similar interest. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it was colored and made fuzzy by the fact that these were two people of opposite genders. Now, since I'm a little less darty, that idea of making room appeals to me so much because it forestalls the single attribute monovariable problem. She might be brilliant in a topic. She might like to play go fish as well. And these things don't reconcile my mind. But you know what? A human being isn't a machine that has to go by the law of non-contradiction. And a relationship doesn't really depend on interests either, because what if five years into the relationship, the person goes blind? So what is the relationship for? The why? Fancy word, teleology. Our courting should have teleology. The purpose of a relationship, sometimes people are infertile and you can't have children, but generally speaking, in the relationship, there will be children or the possibility of children will become more and more acute. Women know that. I'm borrowing this from Peterson a little bit. But myself as a guy, it took a little bit longer to know that. By which I mean, in a relationship with a man and a woman, the woman eventually will carry child. Well, how does a man involve himself with that? I think he does it before he even meets the lady by trying to build a life where there is room for another. Just like the lady, when finally they are married, somehow there is room for a third, i.e. a child. But there wouldn't have been room for the third unless there was room for the second. And there will not be room for the second if the first doesn't intentionally sort of set up a life that has active and passive elements where... Yeah, I want to meet someone, but a buddy of mine said, hey, let's go to this town where 
there's this meet and greet and mixer. And I said, no, because it's, it didn't, I just, I just, I didn't really care. I mean, eventually I'd like to find someone, but I think by setting up a life where I'm making it easier for someone to duck in, look around, make judgments, compare and contrast, and then sort of settle in by easement. So real estate, you have easements on the property. You want to make it easy to come in without having to worry about being a pickup artist or using seductive language or being cool or having something to say. If you have a life that will speak for itself. And then by the time the two of you are familiar, either on the internet or by locale, then those conversations that have to take place, maybe this is naive of me, Tetris-like will take place. But if you don't have that structure of actively having a job, having a place, trying to set up goals that don't involve a woman so that when she does come and ask you, so what do you do when you're not thinking about me? Well, I've got this. Oh, cool. So now we can do that. Then you've pretty much given another person room. Because I used to try to control it. I don't know, Alan, what you think about this, but I think on the guy's side of things in courting, because we're in a democracy where our parents don't arrange marriages, we have to figure it out on our own and we have to kind what of give arguments for why someone would want to spend their life with us. And if we don't have a religious substructure, i.e. if we don't go to church, it makes it all the more difficult. Hi, I'm a pagan. You're a pagan. Wow, let's be pagans, which means I like this. You like that. These things change. I'm, I'm an atheist. You're an atheist, which means we have some kind of variant on our hobbies or things that are really mm -hmm. meaningful to us and we don't know how to say it. So let's figure that. It becomes very, very difficult to separate out what we're doing. And it's so frustrating, I think, as a guy to think that, well, I'm meeting this person and it didn't work out because we didn't know how to do it because we didn't have separate lives that could integrate. And so really this person became an opportunity for me to learn how to do better next time. I, I abhor that kind of A-B testing <laughs> just because uh, it just that's what the dating apps are proffered to us as, mm -hmm. but they don't deliver, I think, on that promise. Well, yeah. so let me just clarify a little bit here. So first of all, when you say you want to make room, basically you're saying you want two things. You want to provide, you want to have a life in which you are uh, enough of a man of substance with a job and interests and uh, financial stability so that there would be preparation for a future wife when she comes along. But the other side of it is you want to make room in that you want to be a whole person so that she can be a whole person so that you don't um, you don't become enmeshed with each other in the way that you depend on her to such an extent that she feels suffocated by you and she won't feel dependent on you to the place where she feels where you feel suffocated by her. Is that what you're is that what you're saying? Matt? Yeah. And for instance, I if I translate your brilliance into no, no. My, my <laughs> but, no, but for, for instance, yes. And for instance, it's a trade-off. If we try to build a structure that allows for the active and passive elements, I'm not going to go on that trip for the mixer to meet all the people because it sounds like a lot of work and it doesn't, I don't think it'll work and I'm not 17, right? All this stuff. I'll build it and they will come field of dreams. Mm -hmm. But the trade-off is the more you commit 
to making the diamond so that you can have multiple players play, the more you cut off people and, and women. For instance, I'm an Orthodox Christian. We fast Wednesdays and Fridays. We're expected to go to confession. And I can't just go and have communion at another place that isn't Orthodox. So that alienates probably a lot of people at the outset, assuming I practice what I preach. So even though I've made room for someone, oh yeah, I want to be an Orthodox Christian. Well, they're buying into the Orthodox Christianity that I am a part of. And so now the two of us can do it together. In America, where that is a still small group of Christians, guys that I know in my local area that are serious about orthodoxy, it is difficult for them, and myself included, not to say, well, probably we're going to end up as monks. <laughs> because either we will compromise our structure or the person is going to have to make so many sacrifices to join. And who would want to do that? We need to meet someone that has already been on our path and converted. And since we haven't found that person before we came in, we'll probably end up as monks because we're not in a country where there's an there's a Orthodox parish around every block. Now, that's defeatist thinking. But it's the trade-off. It certainly of is, Matt. I have to say that is defeatist thinking. We'll hear yes. no more of that today, okay? Okay. Oh, yeah, but anyway, Matt. well, I want to give at least Alan, a window into Alan, actually what, what... you want to say about that? It is an anecdotal window. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, one of your first points was um, talking about women and who are into some topic and then uh, assuming that you... Like we're meant to have a relationship or meant to be in attraction with them. And yeah, that confusion of domains and identities is like incredibly important to sort of cut off of like people are, you know, so people need friends <laughs> and, you know, you don't need to sleep with your friends uh, and learning that you know, what you're really looking for is like good conversation and stimulation. And you think you're flirting with a girl, but really the best part of the night was probably the intellectual discussion probably is a sign that you need more people in that identity of friends. And that like, you know, I think people expecting a, the identity of, you know, as me as a man, a wife or a husband to fulfill all identities and to be, you know, your best friend and your therapist and your, you know, your pre pastor and, and, and all this, I think that gets really dangerous and, you know, uh, understanding that, you know, his name, uh, Matthew's another point he brought up was children come into this relationship, understanding that one of the biggest, uh, things you will do with your future wife is, uh, raise kids. And realize, like, actually, instead of someone who's uh, an expert in, you know, uh, tabletop board games, you actually need someone who likes talking to kids. And you might think, like, well, I'm, I'm a 25-year-old adult man. Like, I don't really talk to five-year-olds that often. But, you know, 
understanding that that will play a huge role in your life is, you know, your ability to be around five-year-olds. Cause if you have a couple of children, they'll be five years old at some point. And you can actually, and I, I mean, to be frank, I've experienced this in my own life, understanding that that, that quality of being good with young children is important. You'll actually change what you're attracted to. It'll change because you'll see, oh, what I really want is a family. That's what I'm made for. So to have a family, okay, I find the wife, but then the wife needs to also have a desire to have kids and be around kids. And you realize like, oh, when I see people who are really good with kids, that can be just as attractive as someone who's like the example was, I mean, for me, it'd be like, who's into improv comedy, you know, like, yeah, I was, there was a time where I was, did a lot of improv comedy and I, you know, you'd meet girls and be like, oh, we both do improv comedy. Like we're meant to date, you know, but like now maturing, um, you know, I realized like, actually I, I can, you know, I don't do that much improv anymore, but like I can have friends who I do improv comedy with, but that identity of wife, that person shouldn't necessarily be good at improv comedy. They should love children. They should want to have a family. They should uh, be okay with the separation of roles that we would have in our family. You know, we should get along to some degree, um, but understanding the purpose of the thing lets me appreciate different elements of the person I would, engage, you know, partner with in the marriage, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that understanding and that goes to uh, going to church because yeah, that's really complicated. Like I could send you a, you know, I'm sure people try this. I could send you, you know, a, 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 a form that you could fill out and be like, what do, do you want this? Do you want that? Da, da, da. But people are complicated and you know, there's a lot of elements to us. So like with the diamond metaphor, the baseball diamond metaphor is by going through activities, not just the mental processes, but physically going to a church that sort of limits you to other people that, that confines you to the people you're around who have those values. So the doing, not just the mental life, but the doing and the enacting. I mean, I've found myself surrounded by like, I didn't grow up with charismatic Christians ever. I, I never knew anything about them. And now I find myself surrounded by them all the time. And, uh, you know, that is certainly in one sense was like strange, but in another sense, I'm like, oh, well, it makes sense because these are the things I care about as I, I care about, um, you know, the word of God and family and community and da, da, da. and now I'm surrounded by those types of people. So it's actually a blessing that instead of being surrounded by people who really value, you know, improv comedy to be surrounded by, um, you know, a different type of people who value the church community in this. And I didn't say, God, I want a community of people who are, you know, love these. I said, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And I did that. I tried to do those things. And then I'm like, oh, okay, now this makes sense. Now, you know, because the, the, you know, making the list, checking it twice, you know, the Santa Claus approach to dating is, uh, that's a toughie. Enacting it, going to church, finding people who have the same values as you then. So, yeah, um, you know, I think the making room by doing, by doing things, by becoming a thing that really shows off. And, and that was to Matthew's point, uh, when you get the job, when you're part of the community, when, you know, hey, if you, you know, if you are part of the community and you serve and you're respected and well-liked and you have all these values, like, I, you know, might seem obvious, but like girls like you, I mean, guys like you, you know, when you have this identity that will, will, will integrate with someone else. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, not. I mean, now we're doing a bunch. This is a podcast of just thinking and talking, but 
the the doing. I mean, I can't emphasize it enough. I'm like, and don't look down your nose at the people you meet there. Cause it's easy. I mean, especially in the corner. I'm like, if I hear one more person being like, no one at church wanted to talk about Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Cause they're a 98 year old woman. She's not going to want to talk about What are you crazy? What are you, what are you on drugs? Like you, you went to church thinking you're going to tell people about the symbolism of Peugeot. Like, no, like drink the bad coffee, make chit chat with them, smile at them, let them tell you about their grandson's soccer game they went to. And like, you know, uh, but that participation, that doing will build you into something that will be able to integrate because the systems like Peugeot says are fractal. So you'll be able to integrate. You'll be able to have a family with someone because you value the same things because you go to the same places because you do the same. You have communion together. You come together. Um, yeah. So. Uh, but the final point just being like, just go out and go to church. And if you don't want to go to church, get better at defining your values. And then when you define those values, find the place that other people with those values go, which should be church. But yeah. <laughs> and I think well, with I that just note, want to throw something in here real quick about the the whole Jordan Peterson, Jonathan Peugeot, John Verbeke thing. If if I think of that, it, and I do think of that, it, that's sort of a great picture of chaos because you have all these different ideas coming into one place, which is the corner. I kind of think of the corner as a typical manifestation of some kind of chaos. Chaos in the sense that there's a lot of riches in here, but it's it's all mixed together, like uh, Paul, Paul Vanderclay's estuary thing, where everything is all mixed, all these ideas are coming in mixed together. And in here, I find a lot of treasures that I can take back out into the church, into my small group that can kind of refresh the way that I look at things. It can even refresh the way that I understand the word. Mm. Not that it changes my understanding of the word at all, but it opens things up and makes them more sometimes. So I come into this chaos. I find these little treasures. I take them back out into the broader world. But then in another way, the, the church and the fringes of the church and these people that maybe at one point seem difficult to be with or, you know, not, not people that I can talk to about all these new ideas that I'm getting inside my little chaos mm -hmm. center here. Those people are, are fringes of another kind. And so I can learn from them and bring what I learned from them back into the corner because from the people that I talk to at the, you know, at the coffee thing at church, I'm finding out what real life is and what the struggles are that people go through. And, you know, one of the reasons I think Jordan Peterson hit almost so many people is he understands what struggle is and what difficulties and challenges are. And I think often we, uh, we neglect um, listening well enough to people to find out what their struggles are. But when you're interacting with real people, you discover this aspect of struggle. I think I used to really have kind of Pollyanna eyes before I got involved with all the Jordan Peterson stuff. And I, when I first started listening to him, I'm like, why are you always saying life is struggle? I mean, life is great. There's all kinds of great things about it. And then I started to realize, well, there really are a lot of struggling aspects that make life challenging. And, and we can learn from that. And help one another with it and bring that back into the center, you know, in the corner. So, so I, th I think the water can flow both ways, but I understand what you're saying. The go to church part is, is big. 
because that's where you meet real people. And you meet real people that don't fit your category of who you think you are and what you think you want. Because if you only, if you only figure out, like you said, if you figure out who you are and what you're interested in, then you go look for those people, then you just find yourself in another silo. But if you go to a church, there's all sorts of people and you have to be able to integrate and make conversation with them and relationship with them. So mm. that's my little soapbox for the day. <laughs> and I think too, I'm, for myself, maybe this is true for men, generally, finding contentment is important. Um, peace from the inside. Because without that, or without a modicum of that, I think the whole dating enterprise, even if the person's life situation is close to yours and you two could integrate in theory, if you don't have contentment, you can't go home at night and simply go to sleep, then it will be harder than it has to be. A Jordan Peterson-ism, right? It will be unnecessary suffering to get to a place where the two of you are familiar and comfortable enough with one another. You've already met each other's parents. You've already talked to each other's uncles. She's already met your priest. And those conversations have been walked through as if sleeping because most of those conversations, I mean, if a person were to sit down and say, boy, I need to outline how, how is she going to talk to the priest? How is, how am I going to answer the questions? What does her dad think? You'd go crazy. I, I would go crazy. I, I am going crazy. Even thinking about it as <laughs> hypothetical. So that's what I mean by the active passive. I want to be so much more passive than I was in the past. The active part is really just how can I stay calm? And it content, whether she walks out after two dates or we don't seem to get anywhere for two years, it sh I, I want to be almost stoic and level about it. Doesn't mean I'm going to quit my job. Doesn't mean I'm going to quit my classes. Doesn't mean I'm really going to think anything different until we're married. We're not married. Mm. And, and that might give her a little bit of freedom to, I don't know, do whatever she's going to do. But that's the actual thing I could Alan, what do you what do you make of that that idea of a man just being content? Uh, yeah, uh, I think um, part of that, like you said, the, the you know you want to be sort of that even keeled contentment while these things are happening passively. I think that was a, a great line because, um, yeah, it shows that you've integrated your life appropriately, like taking someone to church living your life you're not hiding these elements and then revealing them or like oh i have to wait till date three to tell her this and date four that you get this level of information it's like i'm perfectly content who i am and i don't hide any of these elements this is where i go to church and this is what i care about and there aren't like you know hopefully we've limited the number of dirty little secrets and the purpose and 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 this ladder all the way up not just to like the day-to-day -day of what my job is and, you know, how much wealth I have in the bank, et cetera, and, and what books I'm reading, but also ladders up to, yeah, I'm content uh, even to be like Paul and to be single, you know, like he says, uh, if it, that's really how the cards fall, like you mentioned earlier, like ultimate, I mean, I really think I'm called to be married because I, and I love children and, you know, I think that's part of my calling, but like, ultimately I have to be okay with those things. 
And, um, you know, I, I, reconciling yourself to that's part of the, this life is that you're a relationship, even if it's the most beautiful thing, even if it's the best relationship, it's only part of your identity. It is only part of like the fullness of God's plan for you. Um, that helps you approach it with that, 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 um, self-assuredness and calmness and she'll come when she comes and that all these elements are floating together. My, you know, my health, my family's happiness, um, you know, my job, my priest, my community, all these things matter. And I'm contributing to all of them on a, at least almost daily basis in some fashion that gives you this equanimity to be like, and, and when this finally comes, uh, it'll be, it'll, it'll be a crown. It'll be a beautiful thing, but it will just be part of this life that I'm living. That's not even my own. That's ultimately not even my own. So it's not even my story. I'm not the main character that I participate. Uh, I mean, I'm cheating cause I'm using Christian language, but you know, Hey, who, who am I with? I'm among friends, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this, this is the, for the glorification of God and, and to, for the, you know, ultimately like the bringing of heaven to earth. And that I'm just a participant in that story. So, you know, those those things give you the the, the peace and the inner uh, quiet. I think, and you know, it's not easy. I mean, yeah, sometimes you're you're anxious, but um, you know, that's why. Once again, it's just like you know, if you're a young man, you're anxious. You feel like you're striking out at the bars. You feel like no one knows who you're what you're talking about. Do something physical. Be told you need to move 50 chairs from upstairs to downstairs. You need to do, you know, accomplish a small goal. Do a small thing. That's part of the wisdom of the church is they always knew chairs moved somewhere. Maybe not. I don't know. Eastern Orthodox seem like you guys have pews. But, you know, if you're in a non-denominational church, 100% you guys got to move chairs at some point. So, you know, these these small goals, the understanding of you know, that you're helping. And I'm sure, I'm sure that Eastern Orthodox, that, you know, did, you guys have something to do around make coffee or, you know, dust pews or something. So you have the same experience, but those small goals and achieving those small goals, and, and, and that helps you refine what your purpose is, what your ultimate goal is, and that your position in it and accomplishing that. And then all those goals coming together, ultimate underneath, you need one ultimate goal to that, that ropes together all the mini goals, all the goal of, I want to lose five pounds. I want to read this book. I want to make the coffee at church. All these mini goals, they got roped together underneath the big goal. And who's the big goal? It's the guy at the tippy top, you know, and, uh, you know, for Christians, obviously that's Christ. Um, and that helps you with that equanimity and seeing, seeing the purpose in all these things. It, it won't be clear at all times, but, you know, so, you know, the doing and then, and then, you know, you know, and the girl will come when she comes, you know, the Lord has his, has his plans, you know? So one of the things I hear as I'm listening to you guys is that, I mean, the way I interpret what you're saying is that you want to get to a place where you trust God so much that you can be calm and content, whatever comes, because you know that you're trusting him with, with your future. And for, from a woman's side, I can say that that's a hundred percent, a great thing because you know, Peterson always talks about how women tend to have higher anxiety because we are we are much more attuned to what's going on around us in order to keep the children protected, which means we see oncoming dangers and it's easy to become anxious because of those oncoming dangers. And if a man is also anxious and worried about many things, then the whole thing just agitates mm -hmm. upward into this knot.
where if the man is calm and collected and and trusting that God um, is sovereign and, you know, all of these things, then a woman can be at peace because she knows that she's with somebody who is also at peace. And so I, I think that's just 100% a good thing. Mm. So given all of that, um, if you, I mean, I don't even know how to ask this question because obviously from what the two of you have been saying, you don't have a list, but what, so young women who, who want to become prepared to be potential wives of young men like you, what ought they be doing? Or do you have any suggestions for what they might be doing to prepare themselves or to, um, get involved in the community in a way where they might meet guys like you. I, I mean, because right now the problem in our world today, right. Is that you're like these, these little lights here and there, but, but there's no big conglomeration anymore of young men and women who want to get married. Now here's a simple example. Five or six years ago, my husband and I went and did uh, um, square dancing for a couple of years. We took all the classes and learned that there's 137 calls you have to learn to become a square dancer. Super fun. I mean, it's just super fun. And you relate to all kinds of people who are very different than you are. And you have to stand around in a circle, eight people to a circle, holding hands with strangers. <laughs> so it's quite an experience. But most, a lot of those people had been in the same square dance club for 50 years because they started out when they were in their 20s. Back when that club started, there were 750 members in one location. And these were dotted all over the landscape, these square dance clubs. 750 young men and women in their 20s interested in getting to know each other. And so a lot of them had met their spouse there, gotten married, stayed with square dancing all these years. Now the club has 40 members because nobody does that anymore. But it used to be easy to meet people who were interested in a traditional life with children and, you know, marriage and all of that. And it is no longer that way. So, so for young women who might be saying, what can I do to find a husband who are like these two sterling guys? Do you have any oh, suggestions? My phone number is 908477. <laughs> and he's, Feel free to call, text. Pictures will never be denied. And no, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll let Matthew kick it off. So I am cerebral. And so men like me who think first and then feel later, or rather they remember what they felt later, and then they have to think about what they felt, and then they realize that they have felt something. There are men like me like that. And it's not a deficiency, but it is, it has effects. It affects what I look for and what I would be comfortable with. And so extrapolate from this other kinds of men. I am rather indifferent whether or not I get married. I have a one-track mind that has been loaded with the language of my religion. 
but seems to me rich enough to encompass the rest of my life with my family members, the ones I have now. And I would like, if I was to be married, a lady to participate in this with me and the children also too, until they're 18 and then they're on their own because they're autonomous, which again goes to how cerebral I am. I don't see a lot of sentimentality in the proposition of getting married. So the language of my religion, Orthodox Christianity is the goal of life is theosis. This will only take two minutes. Theosis, which means union with God. So why am I alive? Why am I taking breath? What am I trying to do with keeping my job and not speeding on the interstate when I drive somewhere? For me, those are little brackets of Tetris that get points when I think that I'm moving towards theosis, which means not sinning, which means the part in Matthew's gospel where Jesus said, you shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And just before that, a few lines up, he says, God gives the rain on the just and the unjust, which means humility and not judging. So there has to be this level of detachment from the passions. The, the, and those passions are many and they are peculiar to people. So I expect in my, in my, if I have a wife, she will have passions and I have passions and we're trying to get rid of our passions. But for someone who would want to marry an Orthodox Christian, someone who's serious about it and wants to practice it, like myself, they would have to, one, be willing to become Orthodox. And in that, they would have to want to go on the journey of becoming united with God. And that, not, and that be an all-pervasive all-inclusive, this is the sort of thing that when we come down to our values, we eventually talk about without thinking we're talking about poetry. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that informs confession, communion, the sacraments, why we fast. And if those things ever break down and the other person thinks, I could do a 10% of that, it won't work because the Orthodox life is about going deeper and more and more into that, not becoming zealot, not with zealotry, because we are in the world, but having that sort of concentration, that is the, a, a person like me who already is given to cerebral mentality of how to go about things. If you add to that the orthodox commitment, you have even more of that sort of requirement, simply, simply stated. Okay. <laughs> well, I think Matthew, to one of your points, I, I totally, un I, or I understand, or I think I understand where you're coming from, but I feel like for most people, um, like that comes through enactment, you know, where, I mean, you know, uh, coming at it from like, uh, you know, a, a couple of notches like lower on 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 the cerebral, cerebral, really less cerebral than you are if I'm calling it cerebral. But um, the uh, like as someone who does like these sort of conversations, I've, I've really had to like train myself to not see people who don't think this way or don't uh, like have these sort of uh, laid out networks of of how exactly that everything Tetris is together. 
like they they have just as beautiful and full lives so and i don't think you're you're saying this but just to be clear that you know you can't some people you just can't sit them down and be like well you're never you know like you have to go deeper into the and you have to make that commitment and you have to do the you know like and laying it out in a propositional way is fine to a degree but see watching someone's behavior and how they act and what they give themselves to is just as valuable as sort of laying out the propositions. Cause I mean, how many people are like, I'm becoming Orthodox or I'm becoming Catholic or I'm converting to Christianity, you know, Protestantism and I'm going to be the most. And what, what's the mountaintop of being the most religious person? I'm going to do that. I'm going to read the Bible in a month. I'm going to, you know, so, um, yeah, you know, and this to go even a step further, um, you know, so yeah, going and showing up and not, I think that people, so to, to Karen's point, sort of like you take someone who says like, I wish I had line dancing where I'm from. I wish I had this, you know, like I've, you know, I have my life, I have my phone, I have these practices that I have, you know, going to the gym or watching Netflix or whatever they are, these daily rituals, habits, um, uh, and then saying like, oh, these habits, these rituals are bad. I don't like them anymore. And I curse the fact that we no longer have the line dancing place. But it's like, of course you don't, because no one goes to line dance. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's like, uh, you know, I think that that's how people get stuck in this way of like, oh, well, it's hopeless and blah, blah, blah. When I'm like, yeah, no, like when there's nothing being built, that's the time to build something. Like that's the time to put your shovel in the ground and not to like stick your nose up at it. Um, and so, yeah, I just see a lot of people sort of wishing there was some, you know, almost level of idolatry of like the temple of Jonathan Peugeot and Jordan Peterson. And we would go and then we'd create our dating app. And I'm like, what could be more cannibalistic <laughs> than just like, here's one element of my life that I like. And I, I want to turn that into everything. I want that to make that the place I date, the place I live, the place I like do my cerebral thinking, you know, it's just so the point I'm trying to make is to like if you want those beautiful things, if you want the line dancing community, line dancing doesn't come from people wanting to invent line dancing. It comes from people living together in community. Who needs who want to do like live together and want to be around each other. And then they create a social activity because they already live together and are in community together. It's not the other way around where it's just like a bunch of random people who lived a hundred miles away from each other, drove to the same spot and then decided to invent line dancing. No, they were already living in community. They were already together. And then from that blossomed this idea of like, how do we have a social activity that has the chance to make romantic connections. That's also fun for older people and younger people and, you know, married people, unmarried people. And they created this thing. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, yeah, we don't have the line dancing of today. You know, communities, you know, people get married, people grow up, people have children, all because it stems out of these practices that have been developed, like line dancing. Um, but yeah, we don't have that. But you know, now sticking your nose up and being like, well, I'll just watch YouTube for 12 hours a day. It's like, that's the opposite of generative, of making life, of creating something. So all that to say, like, yeah, like, I don't know, like, I would not have chosen the type of girl that I now like find attractive, 
five years ago, totally different, but I couldn't, I had to first attune myself to what I thought was good and valuable and then go to that place. And that place transformed me and turned me into this different person that's capable of being in relationship with a different kind of person. Um, and, you know, and so I think when people stick their nose up at the opportunities to, oh, well, I don't like any of the boys at my church. I don't like any of the girls around me. I don't, you know, I, oh, I don't, you know, this is old and musty and I don't like any of this. It's like, okay, well, you know, you can go to the bar and look for a hookup or whatever, uh, or you can be like, no, first, first things first, God is, you know, or my values, whatever the top values is first. And then all the other things build upon that. And, uh, you know, and guess what, you know, I think that will open your eyes to see that relationship and, and if it comes, um, so yeah, yeah, I think, uh, you know, okay, so yeah. Alan, you just said, the kind of girl that that I would be interested in now is different than I would have been interested in five years ago. So the girl that you would be interested in now, what does she look like? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it was just, she's much more to like finish my point. It'd be, <laughs> it's so funny that like any other podcast, people be like, uh, get in shape, uh, learn how to cook, uh, have a good job. And we're Matthew and I are just like, Oh, yes, the spirit must come down from heaven and meet earth. And that is how we will have a date. And that will be our first first date at the local barbecue restaurant is the communion uh, of heaven and earth. So but but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like my values have changed based on like, I mean, for me explicitly, this doesn't, you know, have to you don't have to be Christian to believe these things, but like understanding of the model of like first faith in God and submission to the higher and transcendent principle. And I know that sounds kooky and, you know, he got to say theosis. I get to say the high, transcendent higher principle. Okay. So that's our trade-off, but uh, you know, that first and foremost, and there was a time in my life where I'm like, that's all I care about is like serving God and, and nothing else has to be on top of it. I can just have, you know, the hamburger, you know, no cheese, no lettuce, tomato, just the hamburger on the on the bun. And then I realized, okay, now I feel like I'm doing that, but God's calling me more to participate, to do things, to, to, I've written the Christmas play at church. I, you know, clean the toilets, done announcements and all these activities that I, I I've then done, but it started with just the hamburger, no lettuce, tomato, no cheese, faith in God, going to a place where other people love love and respect and honor god and then he you know write the christmas play do the announcements be funny use your gifts be interested you know create things and then when you've built that you suddenly have this identity where you're like well what kind of person would fit in next to me like matthew would say who fits in this space that i've built and i'm like is it the hyper intellectual like genius supermodel that you know, I used to date dozens of genius intellectual supermodels, you know, and that's just was wow. my Friday night, you know. <laughs> if I, you know, I mean, you know, no one would just go on the internet and lie. So yeah, I used to date genius supermodels. It's a shame of mine, you know. I, it's a dirty secret that I have. I tell and... everybody that Alan is a comedian. <laughs> hey, Karen, <laughs> you don't say that right. You could have said that earlier, and you choose, you know, when you choose to say something is also just as important. But you know. So, yeah, like very smart, very intellectual, sort of cold, clear thinking. Like, I don't know, I, I could describe it that way. And I was like, yeah, they're smart. Like, oh, you know, they're not like these, you know, not like these other people, you know, with all of their problems. And, you know, 
but now I'm like, oh yeah, obviously like someone who has that emotional element that, that loves children that, that, um, you know, wants to be domestic, wants to like come alongside me and, and, and likes and, you know, that I can serve and I can give unto her and use, you know, my career and all these elements to bless her and she can bless me. That makes way more sense now. And it fits together nicely, even though it's like, as a 22 year old, it's like, no, 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 none of these qual, you know, like she has to be some genius, you know, like she has to be some Mensa member. It's like, yeah, but that was such a monovariate analysis of like, well, what, what do I like? What do I, when I look at, what do I see? Whereas now I'm like triangulating off, off of all these identities of going to church, writing the Christmas play, like I said, you know, cleaning the toilets, doing announcements, having a job, all those, the, all those identities pinging off of all the people that's in, that are in my community and how they respond to me. Tell me who I am. Tell me what, what's good about me, what needs improvement, what I can become. And that also tells me like who can come up alongside me. So I know that sounds super highfalutin, but like, you know, you start with the hamburger, no lettuce, tomato and cheese, ketchup, none of that. You start with your basic, basic values. And I don't know, this is a little bit of a guy, guy or like a little bit of a, you know, uh, think, if, but you start there, you start like, what do I value? What kind of life is good? How can I serve that ideal? And then when you start serving it, you realize all these other elements of your life, your humor, your your beauty, your artistic, your creativity, they're not mistakes. They're all meant to, they will all ladder up. They will all be added on. They'll all be more beautiful, even though the base, the base is the first thing, but it's not the only thing. All these other elements ladder on, but like starting there and saying like, uh, you know, first and foremost there's this holistic beauty in the world that's epitomized that that that's that's a reflection of god like to me that's the that's the start that's the firm foundation and then all these other elements laddered on top and then someone comes along beside you and says like hey i think you'd be a good husband for me and i would be a good wife for you and it's like i feel so much more confident in that answer because there's so many more there's so you know to be in love with that person there's so much more um reinforcement and like co you know like there's so many more reasons why this is a good match than me just sitting being 19 years old and being like that's girl's pretty i should date her we should be together and dating right now like you know that's the level of dum-dum oh wow she's super pretty uh, we should go to a place and eat food together like you know what kind of analysis is that but like then there's a beauty and a holistic of god bringing all these things into communion with each other and holding these things together so you know that's my my so, long so by the way how old are you guys 34 so matthew you're 32 34 34 and uh, uh 30 yeah okay okay so that's good age right yeah i mean you know i'm going to church and hey matthew you know you can come to church with me i live in new york city you know there's plenty of single girls you know i know they're not orthodox but i know that's a big suddenly all he cares about is orthodox girls oh my god you know <laughs> picky picky matthew but you know yeah so now it's a good age and uh you know i'm excited you know and and you feel like uh there's all these things can come together in, in this beautiful way uh, as ordained by God. Well, I would you say have any last minute things you want to, so Matt sounds like you have something you want to say. I do want to 
say something to the note of pickiness. The, I think one ought to be picky. And picky not of the person, but picky of the rule, the role that the person with all their dimensions and ambiguities and developments will inhabit. At the end of the day, that person is in a role. And the language St. Paul uses is you're yoked together. So if the two of you are going to do that, to Alan's point, you want to have a common goal. And it has to be something so far into the distance that you're not going to reach it tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. But also, as, as I am looking for someone, I, I stand by the fact that I am picky, not of a person, but of the person's value, because I don't want to waste their time. And they wouldn't want to waste mine. And a person can lose their salvation through, when I say lose salvation, I mean, salvation, as I see it, is a work in progress. And so if you're married or not married, the work still has to be done. But then the moment you are married, that other person is part of the work. And does that person know they're signing up to be part of that work? I, I would want to have that conversation, or we would have that conversation. That conversation would have to be part of it. Otherwise, they're marrying someone they do not know. And I would be accepting someone I do not know. So I think there is something to say about pickiness in a, in a good light. Um, yeah. No, I was teasing. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't feel you could have a thousand women and one guy. And if you feel like none of those women were going to be underneath the same orienting principle of the relationship, then it's dangerous for both parties to be part of it. It doesn't matter just finding someone. So yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, and, uh, yeah. And, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, I agree that this is a very heavenly, like top down ordered structured, like almost anyone can take these words, uh, from Matthew or I and apply it to their situation, which makes it like, you know, helpful and universal and applicable across many domains. Um, but, I also think that, you know, this is my hobby horse is like, like specifically in the, in the specific, not in the general, but to the TLC, to, you know, women who might be, it's like, don't despise the earthly. Don't despise just showing up, making the, doing the day. Cause yeah, like you might not have that perfect orienting principle ready to go in your back pocket. And, oh, you have the same orienting principle that I do? Oh, uh, perfect. We should get married now. Let's sign the contract. You know, like, it's like, you will build one another up and you will bless one another. And, you know, going and doing and creating will reveal to both parties. I mean, I don't fully know who I am, you know, fully you know, yet. Like, I don't know what my full life will be like. Uh, I need someone who's going to refine me and help me and be on that journey. So, it's never going to be this perfect universal principle that you can just take out of your back pocket and you're just waiting for someone who has that same number written on their card. Um, you are building each other up. You're participating together. You're being refined and glorified and and more Christ-like, hopefully, if you're in a good community. So that process happening together through the, and once again, we're using fancy language, but game board game night. Uh, movie night, uh, cleaning toilets, doing announcements, cleaning up chairs, uh, you know, dust, uh, vacuuming, like all these things coming together, doing it together, 
um, yeah, you'll see, you'll finally see. And literally the girl that you thought I'll never marry that girl or that type of person when you don't know, you know, like God could reveal to you that that's actually your wife. And, you know, in my own life, in its way, I've seen that absolutely play out. So, you know, to go, don't despise the going and the doing and, and the spirit and, 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 you know, oh, there's only two girls at this church and none of them I'm attracted to. So I'll never come back to this church. It's like, like maybe you're supposed to go to a different church. I can't tell you that, but don't just start with these preordained ideas and and think that you won't be refined, that you won't be changed by the orienting principle of that church, of that place. And, you know, so, so yeah, so just, you know, go to church. Jeez, this is, we started, you know, I started with the same line I'm ending with, so... Well, this has been terrific, guys. Um, thank you for being willing to be open and vulnerable and honest. And um, and uh, and we'll see where this goes from here. If there's anybody else that wants to talk about relationship, just give me a holler. <laughs> uh, say something in the comments. And while you're there, maybe like and subscribe. I never talk about that. <laughs> I should talk about it at the beginning instead of the end. <laughs> So anyway, good talking to you guys. And uh, maybe we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you, Matthew. It was a great conversation. Same here. Bye. Bye, Karen. Have a great Valentine's Day tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs>